Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Jack Waddy game. Uh, what you have to decide is whether the following are items of Jamaican cuisine or dub songs by Scratch the Upsetter Perry. Okay. Oh, the right. Man, Jamaican cuisine. Man, Jamaican cuisine or Lee Perry Lee songs. Perry. Very, okay. very good. That's fantastic. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Cow heel soup. Cow heel soup. Lee is Perry. That? That's Lee Perry, is it? No, it's not. It's also called cow foot soup. It's one of the most loved soups in the Caribbean. Hearty and all of us filling. Cooked with yellow <laughs> split peas, some vegetables, and of course, dumplings. Okay. <laughs> so there we move on. This okay. is good, Dave. This is, this is genius. Go on. Yeah, go on. Big apple coconut. Big Apple Coconut. Is that a Lee Perry scratch the upsetter tune or is that an item of Jamaican cuisine? Big I'm going to have to go cuisine because I, 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 it's impossible to tell. I'm saying cuisine. Brilliant. <laughs> There he is. Lee Scratchberry, Big Apple Coconut. Okay, so uh, I think I'm in the lead. You are. I'm I'm absolutely wiped out with this. Go on. Okay, right. Bammy. Bammy. B-A-M-M-Y. Is that a Lee Perry Scratch the Upsetter dub tune? Or is that an item of Jamaican cuisine? Bammy. Well, I thought a Bammy was... Maybe I'm wrong. I thought Bammy wasn't actually an item of cuisine. I thought it was a, a herbal cigarette, a relaxing herbal cigarette. <laughs> but I don't know, no, smoking a Bammy. No, uh, but no, I don't a, know. It's I, a traditional Jamaican flatbread descended from the same right. flatbread eaten by the Arawaks. Uh, Very good. Used in many rural communities. This is okay. Where did you get the uh, idea from? This is so good. Just, just I love it. Okay. Um... Calamooch, Calamooch, Lee Perry June, or item of Jamaican cuisine, Calamooch. I'm going for Lee Perry. 
You'd be There's absolutely no logic correct. behind that. Am I right? Yeah, be absolutely correct. It is. It is Lee Perry. Uh, one of his tunes is Calamooch. Manish Water. Manish Water. M a double n i s h water. Wow. Manish Water. Is that, is that a, a Lee a, Perry? Is tune? that a euphemism for some kind of strong alcoholic drink? Then I don't know. Manish Water. <laughs> what do you think? Is it a tune or is it an item of cuisine? It's an item of cuisine. You're right, quite right. It's goat soup and Jamaican cuisine. Quite right. It's made to be an aphrodisiac, made from various goat parts. Oh, very okay. good. Made what from, about what, various goat parts? No, thanks. <laughs> Just a black coffee for me, thanks. I'm leaving. <laughs> what, what about pom-pom? Pom-pom. P-U-M? P-U-M. Is that? Just like Mother Perry. used to make back in Jamaica, or is it Lee Perry? It's Perry, I reckon. You think it's Lee Perry. There he is. There he is. That's Pum Pum. Lovely. That's, oh, that's superb. <laughs> Get off, please. Stop. Uh, I'll give you one more. Solomon Go Gundy. Solomon Gundy. Solomon Gundy. Is that a Lee Perry tune or an item of cuisine? Solomon Gundy. I suppose it might be an item of cuisine. Um... It is. It's a spread oh, what, what? for crackers. It's a spread for crackers made with soaked herring, smoked herring. Delicious, especially with water crackers. Okay, well. To, oh, that's a, fantastic. David's fairly genius. You get the idea. Absolutely genius. We never go around to roast fish and cornbread and uh, finger mash an IPA skank. But anyway, you can play that at home, ladies and gentlemen. IPA skank? My God. What does the IPA stand for? Not India Pale Ale, obviously. No, I don't think. Well, here he is. Come, let's do it. He calls it hyper. <laughs> that is so good. Mad as a lorry. Absolutely. I had great it. fun playing a lot of Lee, Lee Perry tunes yesterday. Stop. Well, look, I've done a slight diversion, right? Mother's Day. All right, go. And I've yeah, oh, to, yeah. I'm doing you a, a, a stack waddy as well, but I'm doing you a, a, an instant Mother's Day mini quiz. I was researching this idea, and I came across possibly one of the most high-achieving rock stars' mothers that I've certainly ever heard of, and, and four other interesting mothers. And you have to guess who's, who's, who, which rock star's mother this is, okay? Their mum was the daughter of a neurosurgeon and she was a secret agent in the Special Operations Executive known Ooh. as Churchill's Secret Army in oh, World yeah, War absolutely. II. I'm going to set Europe on fire. Yeah. That she and her husband moved to Cairo him. and then Beirut, and she had a 50-year career as an archaeologist specialising in Paleolithic, the Paleolithic period of the Near East. And wrote numerous books about it, was an advisor to the Stone Age Institute. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Rockstar's mum. Ringo Starr. No. <laughs> uh, okay, more clues. The family lived in the Far East, then they went to they moved to England, then they moved to California. Universally high achieving family. Okay, here's some clues about the rest of them. Dad was a so CIA not... officer. Oh, okay, Stuart Copeland. Very good. Straight in. Fantastic. I was going wow. Isn't that amazing? Really? I Elvis never knew about Mother. Because Miles That's was amazing. Music. Yeah, I didn't know that. Amazing. I never knew. I knew 
about father. I never knew about mother. That's no, extraordinary. No, obviously, incredibly high-ranking. Yeah, yeah, that's character. amazing. Yeah, well, a family, because Miles was the music executive, the band manager. Second son, Ian, was a promoter, really successful. Yeah. Daughter yeah. was a film writer and producer, Lorraine. And the youngest son, of course, was Stuart. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Okay. No, Ian, Ian was an agent, wasn't it? Anyway, for the moment. Come on, okay. Uh, Carry agent, on. Well, promoter, agent, yeah. I think he was. Um, four other interesting rock stars' mums, okay? Whose mum was the singer with the Sydney Torch and Leslie Douglas orchestras? <laughs> oh, wow. God, no. His dad know. was also uh, a professional saxophone player in a Royal Air Force dance band. Oh, Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend. Absolutely spot on. Okay. Whose mum, I think you guess well, whose mum was the star of the parent trap, Whistle Down the Wind and In Search of the Castaways? Oh, uh, well, I know that. It's uh, Crispin Mills. It is. Crispin Mills of Cooler Shaker. Uh, yeah, his man his dad Hay- Roy Hayley Bolton. Mills. Hayley Mills. Hayley Mills. Dad is Roy Grandfather, Bolton. Grandfather John Mills. That's absolutely right. Yeah. The dad who wrote the, yeah. he was the director, writer of Family Way and this girl in my superstar. Okay, two more really quick ones. Whose mum was an embroiderer for Sir Norman Bishop Hartnell? The British fashion designer, best known for his work for the ladies of the royal family. Oh wow! Don't know. This don't guy was. This is, her son was born in 1954. Punk rock star. You'll you won't get it, but it's, it's fascinating to me. No, Adamant. So Adamant's mum was an embroiderer for a man making it worked for Norman Hartman. No, Norman That's Hartman. amazing. Is that amazing? Adamant's mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one, one, one more, very quick one. Um, whose mother studied? That really gives. That, sorry, that really gives you a new angle on Adamant's completely whole dressing up. I, I thought pirates, so too. All that sort of completely. stuff. Completely. Because he obviously he obviously grew up in the dressing up box. He grew he? up I mean, in a family with mannequins all over the but, place. But, Putting sequins on things, you know, exactly. that must have been just part of life. Completely. That's amazing. No, it made a lot of sense. That. I never knew yeah. that. And, uh, okay, whose mum studied singing with the famous classical soprano Mary Sundalius at the New England Conservatory of Music and was an aspiring oh. opera singer? Oh, uh, hang on Probably, it, possibly it, had a touch of the Florence Foster Jenkins about her. <laughs> I don't know. Very, very posh Billy family. Joe. No, very oh, posh family. Oh, right, Later moved to Carolina. Good. Her famous son was born in 1948 as James Taylor's mum. Let's think of it. Oh, it was clearly right. a very, very high-ranking kind of aristocrat- almost aristocratic yeah, yeah. family, were they? Amazing. Yeah. I love all that. So That's very good. They're really okay, very quickly. Okay, okay. The old school stat Waddy. Five mother-related song titles, one of them phony. Is it this <laughs> or is this real? Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. That's real. That's real. That's Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings. Nobody loves me but my mother. Was that a BB King track? Don't know that. Go on. Never tell your mother she's out of tune. That's real. That's Jack Bruce. Jack it? Bruce, absolutely right. Off uh, of songs for a tailor. Uh, I didn't know my mother had a son like me. Buddy Guy. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, a face only a mother could love. John. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a face only a mother could love. Is is an old joke that used to kick around the Smash Hits office. It is. Here's <laughs> the Rod Sopper, our manager. You say, is. Ooh, a face only other mother could love. I so love <laughs> that's the ringer. So, You're absolutely right. Oh, very good. But very I'm going to some good. No- I, I didn't know my mother had a son like me, my buddy guy. That's a great title. It's fantastic. I'll tell you, Joey, talk about mothers. Go and on. Um, I was reminded of this yesterday. We were talking about the rugby. 
And the, one of the things that I think Eddie Jones, the England coach, said over the last few weeks about to his players is, is um, when things go wrong, when a match, when you lose, you know, the only people who ring you are your mum and dad. <laughs> your mother, you get a text from your mum saying, we Hello, love mom. you. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. Nobody else all, does. All but... your so-called mates just disappear. <laughs> you know? And I thought that was a fine definition of motherhood. That it was, is. you know, it like, is. The, the, it's, the, it's the person who's sticking up for you, even when absolutely nobody else in the world is doing it. You know, I know, which a, I think was rather a chilling dimension to the whole Meghan Markle, Prince Harry thing, that, 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 that Prince Charles no longer takes calls from either of them. I thought, my God, that's chilling. Uh, yeah, what yeah, do you have uh, to do to get to the point where your father will not accept your telephone calls? But yes, uh, such yeah. is life. Great so, songs um, about mothers. Go on. Any great songs? Well, yeah, about my, my my favorite, which I always think of uh, this year uh, on this day, is uh, I think it's one of his finest songs. It's it's not as celebrated as it ought to be. It's a song by Bruce Springsteen called "The Wish." I All don't right. know if you ever come across this. No, no, no. And it's uh, it's it's not one of his main albums. I think it's on tracks on one of those compilations of previously unreleased stuff. And it's a kind of sentimental country song to his mother. And uh, if you read Bruce Springsteen's autobiography, you know that his mother and his father were very different people. His father, very inward, unstable, difficult person. Complicated, mother, very tangled gregarious. Yeah, yeah. Mother, gregarious, Italian, went out to work all the time. Yeah. And uh, very sociable. And it, those two parts are what make, makes, makes him... And the wish is dedicated to her about, and it starts with her buying his first guitar, uh, you know, in the music shop window where they're about 30, he's about 13 years old. And then it's all about everything that's happened with the guitar ever since. And um, it's, it's, uh, it finishes, um, it ain't no phone call on Sunday, flowers or a Mother's Day card. It ain't no house on a hill with a garden and a nice little yard. I got my hot rod down on Bond Street. I'm older, but you'll know me in a glance. We'll find this little rock and roll Barbie, and baby will go out and dance. That's lovely. addressed to his mother. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> and uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful song about, you know, a very, very special relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I suppose for, for many people this year, more than, more than, uh, absolutely. More than I met on most years, when people, people, uh, a lot of people haven't got to see their mothers, but uh, so if you want to shed a tear today, go and listen Start to. Start with that. Absolutely, the wish. It's a wonderful yeah. song. I love that. Have you got any favourites? I got. Oh yeah. Well, I'm very big. I would mention it in 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 the run up Julia by John Lennon, which I think is amazing. It's so sad. It's this fantasy about this kind of angelic, unreal creature that he really barely knew, didn't he? It was kind of muse, siren, very confused song, really. Yeah, and written yeah. exactly at the point where Yoko Ono had come into his life and he'd, he'd started telling me, calling her mother. So that's how complicated things were. But um, Bert Yance wrote a fantastic song on the Birthday Blues album uh, called Bright New Year. As the bright new year draws closer now, I'm on my way to bring you my love and wish you good cheer. It's just the most sweet, uncomplicated song about... Looking forward to being out uh, now. Now that winter's behind him, that he's able to go and visit his mum. He's just going to go and wish yeah. her well. 
And that's yeah. that's got a real end of lockdown kind of tilt to it, I think. It's lovely. Second track on Birthday Blues. Track one on Birthday Blues, of course, is Come Sing Me a Happy Song to Prove We Could All Get Along the Lumpy, Bumpy, Long and Dusty Road. One of my favourite ever song titles. <laughs> but my favourite, I think, is Mama Tried by Mel Haggard. I think oh, that's right. an incredible song because Merle Haggard, you know, he had two elder siblings and there's a big gap between him. They weren't really there. His dad died when he was really young. He was brought up alone, really, by his mum, who was working really hard to pay, to, to, to pay the bills. Never really there, never supervised. Turned to a complete life of crime. Started off with larceny and pilfering and burglary. And then soon it was detention centres. And then it was eventually prisons, you know. And as he says in the song, he says, I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried. Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I deny. That leaves only me to blame because Mama tried. So he was in San Quentin at the age of 21. And interestingly, saw the concert that Johnny Very Cash good. played there, who, if I remember rightly, actually never was in prison, but was rather pretended he was. Not, not in proper prison. Not yeah. in proper prison, though. No. But anyway, that was the turning point in his life. He saw Johnny Cash play there and he thought, I am going to, I'm going to learn. The, he was a musician. I'm going, to, I'm going to concentrate on that. I'm going to get my work my way out of this. But I think it's such a sweet song because his entire life is packed into this song of, of hearing freight trains and escaping home and going off into this life of crime. And all the time, his mother advising him not to do these things. And the whole so, song yeah. is about the fact so, that she is right. It, it's about remorse and regret. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant that, how often it's you a, get that. It's a wonderful idea, isn't it? That's not sufficiently promoted that even for people for whom it goes wrong, somebody's trying. Yeah, somebody's, yeah. you know, trying you know with no result yeah but they're trying you know it's the world is not divided into people for whom it all goes right because they try and, and the rest for whom it goes wrong because they're feckless absolutely it work like that you no, know no. she tried is very yeah it's very profound thought oh, it's a so, really touching so there's some great versions of it. a lot of versions of the grateful dead it's a great jim croce version of it yeah. everly brothers did a version of it it's a fantastic song so i would yeah, recommend that today you have to shed a tear Go and check out any one of those three and yours. <laughs> Good. So, well, Alex, you're spending Mother's Day with your mother, aren't you? You're I very am. fortunate. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a, a set of cookbooks, vegan cookbooks, because she's getting really into that. And uh, oh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do some cooking. She is vegan, isn't she? This is not a piece of conversion by you. <laughs> well, she, no, well, no, she's she's um, over the past few months decided to um, to up her diet game. Uh, and so she's taken on a largely vegan diet just to make sure she gets everything everything healthy. She oh, needs. Right. And so um, I'm going to be cooking with her. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but can, can I nominate Let It Be as one of the, the great mother songs? Because I think... Oh, like, right, Mother May, yeah. of course. It, it's yeah. just such a yeah. lovely, gentle sentiment. You know, the notion that obviously McCartney lost his mum when he was really young. Um, mm. And even wherever she might be, she's still watching over him and going, yeah. Yeah. hang on, son, yeah. just... Take a step back. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really yeah. beautiful. It is. It's gorgeous. I, I don't know if you've had this this year, Mark, but I've, because everybody, loads of people separated from the mothers. My, my children, I just looked at the Mother's Day cards that have come, you know, over the week for my, for my wife today. And they've all got pictures on the front. They're all kind of homemade. They've all got pictures on the front of them with their mother. Oh. Because because they haven't seen her, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, and I'm sure that's the case, you know. I think it'll be a very, you know, very deeply felt Mother's Day this year. Oh, I think it will be. No, we uh, yeah. unfortunately, one of ours has got to be done on, on a Zoom to Paris this uh, afternoon. But the other the other will be in person. We're getting an actual visit from our, um, 
from our other son and his and his other half, which I'm terribly excited about. Very it's good. Rolling. It's good. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So Lou Ottens died the other day at the whatever it was, Grand Old Age in 94, I think. What an interesting guy. The guy who invented or co-invented the cassette. And eventually the man who invented it, uh, the, the, the format that blew it out of the water, the compact disc. So that's pretty sensational, really. So it worked for Philips, presumably. Yeah, I think Philips, so. Philips, uh, uh, the, the company who was... Uh, they invented those things and yeah. patented those things, didn't they? Yeah. So I think, I think in both cases, all the other companies had to pay them a royalty. Yeah. For using the invention, so they were they were pretty uh, you know pretty key people in the growth of those uh, of, of those companies. Um, but that's one of the most significant things I can remember in my lifetime. I can I remember that I remember the portable record player being really significant. Do you remember when that came out and you could get a little battery operated Philips record player? You click it back and you could carry it anywhere in the world. You wanted to listen to music and put it there and play it. You could listen to the music you wanted to listen to in the time and place you wanted to listen to it. That was amazing. And then the Sony Walkman, I remember being absolutely phenomenal. The idea you could get on an aeroplane and listen to music, get on a tube and listen to music. And the other thing I think was the mixtape. The mixtape as a, as a way of, of, of kind of educating you as regards listening to music, was so significant in my case. I mean, I'm too old to have used it, as I suspect you were too, Dave, to have used it romantically. I mean, I, I was too old. Uh, I, I was going yeah, out with the girl that, I married yeah. in 1980, so that's got yeah. pre-tapes, really, so I never made any tapes, which I'm sure are a fantastic art. But there was something incredibly precious about the, the cassette. I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that it required so much physical attention, didn't it? You know, if, it, if it, people would paint the, the covers... Uh, people would paint the cassettes. People would give them uh, special names. There was a guy I worked with for a while called Steve Force. He always gave his, his cassette uh, compilations wonderful names, like um, like uh, uh, he, he would have uh, things like uh, "Hanging on the Rolling Stone," because the first track would be "Hanging on the Telephone," and the last track on the second side would be "Papa Was a Rolling Stone." Oh, it's the real art, real art. They oh, all had right. their own little name, and. Uh, and I can, and if they broke, you would then have to put the pencil through and wind it back and cut out the 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 the, the, the stretched bit of tape and try and resell oh, the tape. Yeah. All that was complicated. But the main thing for me, I remember with the tape was was being in the queue office and in the and the select office actually and and and, um, and the mojo office and the word office and people playing tapes they'd made over the weekend, yeah. and that became incredibly competitive. I mean, you could just imagine. You know, this is amazing. these are these are rocks. These are these are rock critics. <laughs> these are deep end snobs. No, they come I, in I, on a Monday morning. I, I number myself amongst them. You know, oh, completely. So. Me too. And they <laughs> yeah. come in on a Monday morning and go, "Yeah, I just uh, just yeah. got this together this morning." You think you didn't, mate? You spent the whole weekend agonising over which small faces demo to put on there. You know, uh, you know which uh, which it was all outtakes and bootlegs and really obscure things. And I can still remember hearing certain types of music. I remember Jim Irvin, who we've had on this podcast at yeah. Mojo, making the most wonderful tapes. I can remember him. Jim, listen, Jim Simone. still does. on he does, Spotify. If you follow Jim on Spotify, yeah. Jim Irvin's playlists on Spotify are fabulous. They still are to this day. I listen to them all the time. Carry on. No, I can remember hearing Nina Simone's version of Baltimore by Randy Newman for the first time on one of those, uh, those tapes that he'd made. And take out some insurance on me, baby, by Jimmy Reed. By Jimmy Reed, yeah. yes, that's a classic him. compilation album uh, inclusion. That it is. Take out. 
Jimmy Reed, because no, nothing, because Jimmy Reed works in compilations because nothing sounds like Jimmy Reed. You know? Yeah. You, you can slot Jimmy Reed alongside absolutely anything and it will sound amazing. Yeah. You don't want loads of it. You just want a little bit of it. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? That it kind of, um, it, it foreshadowed the the world that we're in now, the world of individual tracks and, you know. Completely. Your own playlists and Spotify and so forth. But that's but how in those it... days, in those days, the problem with cassette, which was uh, relieved by the arrival of minidisc, which never took off, but you know, yeah. was used by some people, and then the computer, was that you could re you could chuck out tracks and move things along, couldn't you? It, yeah. it shuffled and it reconfigured. Whereas a cassette, you couldn't do that. No, you couldn't do your So you it. would always, you would always, the danger of doing a cassette compilation was to do it while drinking, because halfway through it you would include something you think yeah this would be great that works and then you wake you up in the morning think, that could be misinterpreted no, <laughs> That's no, no, no. i want you by elvis costello why did i put that in there like what are they gonna think that means <laughs> no. No, but you, somebody just think oh i'll put in this at the end of this i can just see it cross fading into what dark star by the grateful dead yeah, yeah, yeah next thing yeah, you know yeah. you got 20 minutes of Freeform electronic, uh, you know, noodling in the middle of yeah. what had previously been a very good uh, compilation. I'll tell you what, I didn't do a huge amount of this. Do you know why? And I've got, I've got a box of these cassettes here somewhere, if I can find Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, during the 90s, which is the kind of golden age of cassette compilations i suppose uh i i used to do uh, i used to do a radio program with glr and so i i would always be putting together lists of stuff to play on the radio that weekend yeah. and then when i go into the radio station i'd put i'd take a fresh c90 uh c120 probably actually and put it in the uh, the, the the cassette player that, that just monitored the output and then I would have a tape of that program. 
So I've got a tape of absolutely every single program I ever did on GLR. Fantastic. I don't know where they are. Oh, what a I've shame. Played them. But oh, I, I will oh, find them. Oh, those would be somewhere. so good. Uh, but those oh, are my cassette tapes. You know, those but are brilliant. But they're but also they're made they're made for a for a, a kind of listening audience, so they they yeah. haven't got that kind of agonising element of hip. Those cassettes that everyone used to play in the, in the word and the kit and the emoji office was so funny because I, I realised that rock stars have this huge affection for kind of what I suppose you describe as glorious failure. So Rocky yeah. Erickson would always appear on them, you know, doll yeah, by doll, big star. Big Star yes, is a classic rock critic. Glorious failure. They were they made some lovely records, but they just didn't make it. They didn't, they didn't achieve whatever it was that they were, Do you they know were meant the, to achieve. You must know Big Star. Yeah, you, you must star, be. Yeah, well, yeah. okay, so Big Star, big indie gods. Let me tell you a funny story about Big Star. Um which is that they they made those two albums in Memphis um, yeah. in the in the early 70s. They were able to make them because they were quite wealthy boys. They quite, came from quite nice backgrounds. They did. And also, the uh, Ardent Studios pretty much gave them the keys to the place because they had an engineer that they worked with who just wanted to try everything. So they had kind of unlimited studio time, you know, and they made those records. And they're, they're fantastic records. And they sound as if they ought to be hits, but they were really dismal commercial failures, absolute failures. Nobody would play those things on the radio anywhere, you know. And uh, and the people... And rock critics thought they were good. This is the music the Beatles would be making. But we're, 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 come, we're going to come to this in a minute. Oh, OK. The only people who liked them were rock critics, yeah. OK? Nobody else on God's earth liked them at all. And, uh, and when they played live, people hated them. You know, they, they didn't like the sound they make at all. And made them at all. And it wasn't just... Two years later, somebody had this mad idea they were going to have a rock critics convention and they're going to invite rock critics from all over the world, which they duly did. I think Pete Frame went from England and so forth. Dave Marsh was from Detroit. People, all these rock critics turned up and, and they sat there and they stroked their chins and they talked about Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground and Bob Dylan, <laughs> things that rock critics talk about. And then in the evening, the cabaret, the entertainment was provided by Big Star. And Big Star went on stage and, and started playing. And slowly, the dance floor filled up with people who had never in their lives danced because yeah. they were rock critics. All men. You know, they're all, all men ill-coordinated. All men, slightly overweight. No, no you know, coordination at all. Legs you know, bending the wrong way. get girls or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Everything was going wrong for these guys. It was just a, a sea of gyrating bodies. And, and Big Star looked out and thought, these are our people. The problem is there aren't many of them, you know. And I thought those were one of the saddest stories I've ever heard, you know. We finally found some people, but all they are is rock critics. They're not like real people at no, all, no. you know. So anyway, no, sorry, I cut across you there. I think, it's, I think it's right to mention, by the way, that uh, the uh, the cult of the, uh, the cassette mixtape has, has reached the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, go on. Go on. So oh, are, go on. There, there are two Guardians of the Galaxy films. Yes, absolutely. Chris right. Pratt, aren't it? Yes, absolutely. Oh, oh, Dave. Dave, I'm impressed. Oh, um, I know more no. than you think. <laughs> and Golden um, Rule, Alex. I, I know more than you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Golden Rule. Um, but these, these films are both soundtracked by uh, the awesome mixtape, uh, Volumes 1 and yes. 2, which is put together by Pratt's character, Peter Quill's mum. Um 
and he's basically he's jetted off to space as a child uh, but he has his, his walkman and uh, and the, and the mixtape and it soundtracks his adventures across the galaxy and it's got stuff by Marvin Gaye and the runways and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bowie on but long and short short of it is I think it's now the biggest selling compilation ever um awesome mixtape for oh, really? and, and a Christ. decent portion of those sales apparently have been on cassette so uh oh really yeah yeah really. they're kind of chic aren't they the they're other thing i remember from... about because about cassette because I, I was working at a record shop uh in in the mid 70s when cassette was just going like this because you know the the lp was the biggest selling medium i think until until the mid 70s and after that most music was sold on cassette and so if you look at the big sellers of the mid 70s abba elton john Neil Diamond, you know, Cat uh, Stevens, all that. It was overwhelmingly on cassette rather than on record. And uh, and so I was working in a record shop when there was something to, they kept knocking down walls to, to, to make more room to sell more cassettes. And the people who bought cassette were generally slightly older and slightly wealthier. It was it was a very different kind of audience. You know, your Led Zeppelin fan yeah, wouldn't to buy cassette. They want to play them in the car, absolutely. So you know, so the cassette was is linked to movement in in two. There's two two waves. One is playing music in a car, which is liberating and really exciting, and the other is playing music on the move on a Walkman, which is utterly transformational. Incredible, because that then remember that big and amazing soundtrack in your movement. Yeah, when you could when you could actually invent the soundtrack for a journey that you were going to take. You know, you were driving with the family, whatever, you're going somewhere at the weekend or you're going to some festival or whatever, there was, or you're going on a plane journey. You know, you're flying to America. And I would make cassettes to go with that experience. I would, I would, I would work out precisely what would be the right soundtrack. And that, would, I thought, was the most thrilling thing in Metro. Absolutely incredible. Well, you know, mo- mobile music you know, is more important than anything else. Yeah. You know, people, people write about all kinds of transformations in music, punk rock or you know, hip-hop or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Nothing is as significant as the fact that suddenly, starting in the early 70s, people could take music around with yeah. them. And, and starting again in the early 80s with the Walkman. Because, I, I, I you know, I, I've talked about this before, that, you know, in the, early, in the early 70s, I was living in a flat in Turnpike Lane with a guy who had a job working, real, real dull old-school pen-pushers job. At the Medical Research Council, which is in the West End. Is this the guy who came out and played ZZ Top? He? he used to come yeah, out yeah. Every, yeah. every night, every night. And, you know, just a day of frustrations of sitting in the office, you know, not on a computer, you know, writing longhand or whatever. <laughs> all, all the laborious nature of, of work in those days. And then he'd come home on the tube and then he'd come down Wood Green High Road, up the steps in there turn on you know warm up the amplifier and then the sounds of ZZ Top doing waiting for the bus or whatever and the reason he did that is because he couldn't listen to it anything like that all day yeah until he got home whereas that's fundamentally changed so everybody on the tube and no we're not on the tube at the moment but ordinarily they're all listening to something also didn't didn't the cassette inadvertently change the direction of history by be, being responsible for satisfaction. 
because didn't oh, to some extent. I mean, was that cassette? He had it by a bag. I think it's probably some little reel to reel. I would have thought that's reel to reel or something. It's 65. Yeah. And, you know, the cassette didn't really come along until. Well, it may have come along as a piece of office equipment, which okay. is very often how those things first started. And, uh, you know, because they were used by people to yeah. give dictation to, um, you know, which typists would then type out letters. Um, but I think Keith, that, that would have been real to real. by Probably I, real to real. Because I, I read that he woke up one morning and, and found his cassette running still, and he decided to go back and listen to it. And uh, Well, yeah, it was satisfaction. He got the and riff. he had a satisfaction riff, that's right, and then 45 yeah. minutes of snoring. snoring I know. Yeah. I am fascinated by that, is how people composed, how people wrote songs before the invention of tape. Because there's that, there's that wonderful story about Christine McVie writing a song when she had some, she was in some place where there was no, nothing she could record with. So she had to keep playing the song over and over and over again until the cab arrived to take it to the studio to be able to play it so she wouldn't forget it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She ended up in the studio still playing it. Still playing it, still playing it. Because Elvis Costello, I think I've mentioned this before, Elvis Costello told me that he used to to ring his home number to get the answer phone and then sing into his home answer phone the tune that he just worked out in his head. Because otherwise, how are you in the back of a cab? You're on a train, you've got no recording equipment. How are you going to remember it? You're going to write it down as a piece of tablature, you know. I'm sure Paul McCartney's yeah. gone on record as, as saying something like the good ideas have always stuck with him. And so he never actually put stuff down. Uh, he, he well, was, he always said that he, John Lennon, that's right, that, that, that if it was good enough, they'd remember it the next day. Yeah, that was yeah. his thing. But it still seems perilous. A bit of a, bit of a nightmare. Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a yeah. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. So we anyway, should, should we mention Tony Hendra very briefly? Do you think oh, there's right, other people yeah. who died? Tony Hendra, what a great man. He played Ian Faith and Spinal Tap, which I saw again the other night. <laughs> What do you think? Really interesting, because we got this little gang, as you know, our little film gang. Once a week we watch a movie or once a fortnight and then we talk about it. We can't, we have to do it on Zoom at the moment. And for light relief, we decided to do The Last Waltz and Spinal Tap. And uh, it's good. It's obviously you're not roaring with laughter because you know every line. We must have seen it, what, 20 times, maybe more. Mm. But it's still so good. And it really struck me, it must have been at the time, one of the first films ever. Obviously, it's fictitious, but it's not really fictitious. It's true, as we know from the number of people who saw it and said, that's my life writ large. It's true. It's true. It's, it's just the group of fictitious. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. But the experience is The life real. is true. Completely. <laughs> and uh, it, it struck me that that was the first time, I think, you would have seen the life of a group from the inside. Because all documentaries were, were, were basically imposing the view and the opinions of the filmmaker onto the group and getting them to answer a certain, a certain number of questions and getting them to uh, to kind of fit in with whatever vision they had. But this was actually about just running a camera as yeah. a group's career collapses very, very fast. And the whole thing about them, the, the whole structure of the film is about the moments which arrive virtually every five minutes where they are reminded that they're on the way down, aren't they? It's the sandwiches. It's the <laughs> venues being cancelled. The, the you know the, the they they yeah, may have to shut tiny, off half the seats. The tiny indicators of tiny of, indicators of failure, <laughs> and so you're constantly being reminded by those, of the glory of days. Before. Yeah, it really is. That's how you know ending up with. I said you know I said Spinal Tap first, Puppet Show second when they arrive at that, and you just think this is so terrible. <laughs> But the other thing that struck me was that was that Tony Hendra, the in-faith character, was the first time I got an impression what 
being a manager was really like. <laughs> I think up till then, people thought managers just sat around in a big camel hair coat, didn't they? Tearing off <laughs> huge banknotes, smoking cigars and ripping off people. But actually, he's got this thankless, joyless task of finding the mandolin strings at four o'clock in the morning, as you get the rent paid and get scaring up the money. And oh my God, it's just, a oh, yeah. there's no oh. rock and roll for you. you know? And the idea that your your job, I mean, the times that I went on the road with bands, most of those at the NME, I was struck by the same thing, that you're again, you're constantly worrying about indications of your popularity. Will you sell out? You know, is the record selling? Is the single on the radio? All day long, you're worrying about whether or not your popularity is going up or down, and that's mm. what that film's about. And it's the same for the for the for the for the managers, really. The managers are thinking, like for more managers, you're just thinking it could be going brilliantly now, but in in in, in two weeks' time, I could be out. Well, nothing is ever the musician's fault. That's the other thing. Nothing is the musician's oh, fault. Oh, not nothing is ever. Anything that happens in Spinal Tap, it's always someone else's fault. You know, <laughs> I, I can't eat these sandwiches. You know, there's a little guy in here, and the, here there isn't a little guy, and I can't quite. I can't. Work, you know, it's not. It's, 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 it's not happening. I know, sandwich. I know. It's not happening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no. so here we are talking about Tony Hendra. Uh, you know, long life. We did all kinds of things, and we're we're remembering for Spinal Tap, which is probably about five days of his life or yeah. something like that. You know, he turned up and did it, but he happened to be very memorable. And uh, and we were saying the other day, one of the great things about Spinal Tap, one of the distinguished things about Spinal Tap, is it's an American take on on something British, which is utterly plausible. Yeah. Because their accents uh, of the Americans in the cast are, are as good as Incredible. the accents of the, of the British people in the cast. Incredible. They really, they've got that feeling really, really well. Tony Hendra also, um, you know, it, it was a kind of footlights, wasn't he? Cambridge oh, footlights. Oh yeah, footlights. So he's, oh yeah, he's English. Yeah, yeah. He was there and with he, and he went, Chapman, Timbrook Taylor. Yeah. He went well, the other thing National is, Lampoon. He, he worked in National Lampoon and. Um, I don't know if you can hear these things. You can probably, I'm sure they must be on YouTube or Spotify or whatever. He was responsible for some of the great National Lampoon um, pop music uh, piss takes. He's the one who does Magical Misery Tour, which, oh, which is the, the pastiche of John Lennon's solo album. Oh, you know, yes. where, where the refrain is, Genius is pain. Genius is pain! That's oh, right, I remember that. I remember and... That. Uh, He's also he's also the man behind when they did, they did a, a, a kind of radio um, program called Lemmings, which was a piss take of Woodstock, yeah. where you know everybody gathered to throw themselves off a cliff. It, yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, and uh, I think you think he's probably also the the person who does the um, the advert for um, you can send off a compilation of Golden Protest. <laughs> they're all on here it's done in a bob dylan voice i gotta go now it's time for my boot heels to be wandering he did he did all those things he also uh, invented the brilliant line for national lampoon which is if you don't buy this magazine we will kill this dog do you remember a guy with a dog <laughs> yes. which viz brilliantly nicked in the i suppose it was in the late 80s for one of their annuals and there was just uh, just a picture somewhere with a big basket of puppies and a hammer it said uh, we will kill a puppy on the hour Every hour until you buy a copy of the new Viz annual. And you had to cut out this bit of paper at the bottom and it said, uh, Please stop <laughs> killing the puppies. I have bought the Viz annual and enclose a receipt as proof of purchase. 
You got to admit that's genius, isn't that's it? That's very funny. Genius. Yeah, don't no, get Ian that kind Faith, of thing nowadays. Tony Hendrick, incredible guy. Yeah, he worked with Chevy Chase and uh, and he was a spy spy um, editor too, wasn't he? He's was fantastic. Brilliant bloke. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. During the break, we found stuff. I found the National Lampoon's radio dinner. Uh, and uh, it reminds me that the John Lennon uh, pastiche is, is taken from an album which is called Yoko is a Concept by Which We Measure Our Pain. <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff. God bless the National oh, Lampoon. Oh, brilliant. So, so, Alex, what have you found? I found two cassettes. Um, now, well, I can see one is Two Sides of the Moon by Keith Moon. Two Sides of the uh, Moon. Yeah. Uh, and Meaty Beaty Big and Bouncy. Big and oh, bouncy. very good. From 1971. So the, the Keith Moon album was actually was given to me by my history teacher at school. Uh, it, it was really funny because because I wasn't very good at history. I didn't particularly pay attention, but he knew I really liked Keith Moon and The Who. And he said, Alex, I found this. This, he's in the past. I, I bet you he's <laughs> yeah. in the past. I bet you haven't got this. You take it home. And so I did. And this one was given to me by a pal who I think found it in his dad's collection. Both God, we dreamt of history uh, teachers like that. But look at this. <laughs> yeah. Why are they sitting there drilling the date of the Battle of <coughs> Preston pans into your memory plate for no reason whatsoever? The 1832 Reform Act. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's a price stick on here. Uh, as a help oh, right. what? Keith Moon. Uh, Yep, it's a Help the Ages charity shop price sticker. It's 40, oh, right. 40, 49p. 49p oh, for an album. Amazing. Amazing. Astonishing. Well, I've also found this, which I realised we hadn't uh, we hadn't talked about. This is um, holds up the cover of Bob Dylan's Bringing It All Back. Oh, home. absolutely. Sally Grossman, who died just a few days ago, didn't she? Sorry. So Sally Grossman, who was the yeah. lady uh, sitting alongside Bob Dylan there, looking terribly sophisticated. Uh, smoking a gasper in a very 60s fashion was uh was the wife of uh albert grossman um his manager, manager. but that um, sleeve i I'd, I'd love to know more about that how much agony and thought went into the choice of records that are on there or maybe it was completely random you've got no idea i remember the impressions are on there there's a robert johnson record there's a there's Ravi shankar Jan- record there's eric there's von schmidt, von schmidt. The folk blues of there's Lottie Lavinia. Yeah. Which the, and, uh, Time, the, Time magazine with Lyndon Johnson on the cover. That's it. Um, and a Fallout Shelter uh, sign there. I think there was an art director at work here. It's I don't incredible. think there's just stuff that people no, I mean, I think have around. And there was a, a, I read a thing just the other day about a, a photo uh, session from that, well, the, the session that produced that record. And slightly further back, you can see Francoise Hardy EPs by his feet. So there are all sorts of things that didn't make it in there. And another great thing, which I only need to find out recently, was that he's wearing the cufflinks that Joan Byers gave him. Oh, and she, she, in the song Diamonds and Rust, she mentions those cufflinks that she gave oh, him. So God. there's a coded message there. In what was that, 1965, when that record came out? Uh, Joe 16... Byers. Five, yeah, 1965. I know. So, I, I don't know if, if anybody can tell me what that album is on the on the uh, mantelpiece there. I don't, it looks like Johnny Ray or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and some venerable 19th century gentleman of letters or politics there. I yeah. don't know who that is. Um, be good to know. So, yes, uh, Sally Grossman, who's uh, passed away, at the age of 81, is that right? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and that was know. the big moment of her life, wasn't it? It's the one, the one, the you know, what what else she did? I'm not quite sure, really, about being married to, to Albert Grossman, but that was the key moment, wasn't it? And we all wondered yeah, yeah. who was that person? Was that somebody that Dylan was having some kind of love affair with, or he, it was totally unexplained? Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So, any other business, Alex? What have we got going on uh, uh, in the world of Word in Your Ear that we should tell people about? We spoke to Bob Harris this week, if you he haven't did. caught up with that. Uh, catch up with that. Is that out? It's out, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's it's out, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah. Martin Waits as well. Martin Waits, the thriller writer. Both really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob Harris, bit a bit of, it was a bit of a battle of the backdrops with uh, with me and Bob Harris, wasn't it? <laughs> It was. Bob's got CDs as far as the as far as the eye could see. It's um, not real though. It's just wallpaper. It's a fact. yes. It's just wallpaper. It's a Bob Harris three D projection. It's available <laughs> at Argos. You can get it reprogrammed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Any any of your favourite yeah. records. Um, and uh, and you know we keep going forward. We got more of this coming up in in the next week or so. And uh, if you if you'd like to consider being a, a supporter of ours on Patreon. We'd very much appreciate it, and you can find details of that at patreon.com slash word in your ear and find out how you might like to get involved. There's also details of how you can buy our T-shirts, hoodies, various items of merch, masks, caps. What else have we got, Alex? We haven't got underpants or anything Mugs. like that. Not, not yet. The underpants Mugs. are being designed as we speak, though. String vests. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a team of elves who are knocking up uh, word in your ear underpants at the moment. Uh, but we we go forward. Uh, they, the Friday night quiz goes from strength to strength, I think it's fair to say. Really it? Yeah, yeah. They get to the point where, again, so many people taking part in it. It's almost unwieldy, really, because of the way we do it. It's a um, rowdy throng. Yes. People, yeah, we have to. Jugs have of ale and hot them. meat pies. <laughs> It takes it, if people you, on stage. If you haven't taken part in it, there's no reason why you shouldn't. It takes it takes about 20 minutes on a on a Friday evening. Starts Very good fun. And we send you a link, a Zoom link, so you can take part. It's an excellent way to start the weekend, isn't it? Uh, so uh, what else we all got lined up? Well, Alex, you're, you're off to... Uh, rustle up some uh, vegan lunch for your mum. Vegan scran with, with the muff. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. I, I'm going to see if I can find my box of old tapes of old GLR programmes. And uh, I'll, probably, I'll probably be up here some while. David, you can market those. those. It'd be brilliant. And David, have I can market them. <laughs> sell them. I don't think Do so. copies of I don't them. Think. No, but I'd them. like to... Uh, I'd like to see. Uh, let's see if I can get a tape player still rigged up up here somewhere. I think I probably can. What are you doing for the rest of the day, Mark? We've got, as I say, we've got one of the boys coming over, which is very oh, exciting. Of course, so yeah, we've got a slight course. Mother's Day, and we're going and the Zoom with the eldest boy in Paris. So there's a bit of Mother's oh, Day. Action, right. So very okay. exciting. Looking okay. forward to it. Okay. Right, then. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week. See you, folks. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.